If you would open your Bible this morning, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. I've been preaching a series called the four F's. There's a basic formula for living a successful life with God. It's a wonderful pattern repeated throughout the Bible of four principles, four essential laws of God, principles that are always found working together in the lives of people that walk with God. They are fellowship, focus, function, and fruit. They always work together, as I said, and they build one upon another. First comes fellowship, and then from fellowship, we derive focus. In our focus, God anoints us to function in life, and that function produces fruit. So basically, the four F's is how you walk with God, how you live with God. It's the how-to in terms of how to take the Word of God and apply it in a practical daily life with the Lord. Fellowship, focus, function, and fruit. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he's speaking about all of the men and women of God that have gone on before us, those listed in the Old Testament, and, and of course, in our case, those in the New Testament as well. And he said, we are surrounded by them as a cloud of witnesses watching us run this race. So therefore, let's lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking away to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, think about him, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So let's take out of this, uh, these first two verses in Hebrews chapter 12 the basic thought that in order to develop faith, you have to focus on Jesus, not yourself. That is an absolute basic premise and tenet of the Gospels throughout the epistles. The scripture shares these two basic focuses that are in opposition to each other. If you focus on yourself, you'll kill faith. If you focus on Jesus, he will develop your faith. So you cannot develop faith in your life. Faith that believes God, faith that moves mountains, is not going to be developed in your life if you go through life always thinking of everything in terms of how it relates to you and defining everything in life through yourself. Instead, we need to define everything in life through Christ. We need to see our life in Jesus. That's what it means to focus on Him, learn about Him, and concentrate on Him. So Jesus and self are the actual contrasting focuses that Jesus was referring to in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 24, when he said, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon was like an old Aramaic term that basically it meant more than money. It meant more than physical possessions. It referred to the, the interconnectedness between self and the physical possessions of this world. So Jesus was in effect saying, mammon is the pursuit of self. So Jesus is saying, you cannot serve two masters. You're either going to cling to the one and reject the other, or you're going to love one and despise the other. And so self-focus or concentration on yourself interrupts the development of faith. Think about it for a moment. Every time you take your eyes off of the Lord, every time you're stressed out, angry, frustrated, or um, just focused on yourself, you are at the center of your universe, 
faith is on hold. It dies, it subsides, it becomes paralyzed. And so that's why Satan promotes and encourages you focusing on yourself. It's because it stops the development of faith. I I know I've said this probably about a half dozen times already, but let me just say it one more time. In order for faith to develop in your life, you have got to be focused on Jesus. And by focused on Jesus, I don't mean that you just think about him from an academic standpoint, but that you are focusing your dependence, your love, your affection, and he's your go-to. He is your foundation. He is your everything. So self-focus paralyzes faith, but Jesus' focus puts you in the process of faith development. It's absolutely basic because as you focus on the Lord, He is developing your faith. If you try too hard to develop your own faith, create believerism, if you will, you're not going to get there. That kind of faith doesn't move mountains. It's not going to connect you to God. It always always becomes dependent upon you. It depends on how you feel and uh, how you are at any given moment. But as you really focus on the Lord, forget about yourself, um, the Lord just begins to work in your life and he develops your faith. Let me pull out that phrase in our uh, scripture we read in Hebrews 12 where it says, Jesus is the founder and the perfecter or the developer of your faith who, speaking of Jesus, For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So how did Jesus get through the absolute worst experience of his life on earth? Was he was focused on the joy set before him. He was not on the cross as awful as that must have been. He wasn't thinking about his own pain. He wasn't thinking about the betrayal. He wasn't thinking about all of the negative things that were happening. There was something in front of him that the Father had put in front of him. And when he saw it, it filled him with joy. And that joy gave him the strength. And he went through the cross with joy strengthening him as he did because he was focused on what the Father put in front of him rather than focused on his own experience. So focus on Jesus takes your concentration off of yourself and it sets the Father's goals in front of you. And that strengthens you with his joy when you're going through trying circumstances. Now, let me just um, make a commentary about the world today. And it's, uh, you know, it's not that different from the world for the past, uh, past 6,000 years. But um, there's definitely an intensification going on in the world. The world today is decomposing in a rotting pit of self-focus. That would be my definition of modern culture, of society. No matter how good it looks on the outside, it's decomposing and decaying and rotting on the inside. And that's the world. And that rot, that decomposition is due to people focusing on themselves. So it's a decomposition of self-focus. You know, the more people focus on themselves, the worse they become. Think about it. We're not getting better by focusing on ourselves. And yet, self-focus has become the driving force in our culture today. It seems to be the answer that man keeps coming up with generation after generation. And today, we've refined it into a religion. Self-focus. People being able to have what they want, be what they want, and focus everything, all that they consider significant, on themselves. So the more self-focused people become, the more corrupt, the more ridiculous, the more violent, the more hateful they're becoming. Self is not producing a good result. And think about, when I think about today, I think about the marvel of technology, the connectedness. When Kathy and I first met and we were first married, you know, most of you can remember we had phone booths and we thought what we were because we had the telephone. 
and there was no internet. Uh, when you got the local news, it was the local news. We never knew what was going on, you know, somewhere else across the world. But today, modern technology is bringing us all close together. So, what do we do with this technology, this connecting technology? What do we do with it? We create the ultimate stage for self-focus, Facebook. So we have today Facebook, not Facebook, Facebook. That's what man does with the technology to be able to reach out and connect with one another is it's an opportunity to become more focused on yourself. You know, I've noticed that uh, some people, when given an opportunity to connect with other people, that natural servant rises up in them and they think about others. I love it when I hear people talk about um, things that, that are on their heart that they want to uh, uh, bless other people with or do for other people. Really, truly great people. When they walk away, you still don't know who they are. Their own personal life is invisible because they are not what matters. Truly great people are not necessarily celebrities or not necessarily people who have been lifted up by the pillars of culture, but they are people who are giving and people who are selfless. They're focused on something else, and that's what Jesus said that we ought to be, is focused other than upon ourselves, and that is focus on him, because he is the one that gave his life for the world. In Christ, we give ourselves to the world. So if you look at Facebook, it's the absurdity is just off the leash. It's just ridiculous. I mean, I can't hardly go on there without seeing somebody, here I am in the hospital bed, having my fingers sewn back on. I don't, nobody wants to see your, your surgery. And nobody wants to see your cat having kittens. Nobody's interested in, in, you know, your family's bus got run off the road and, and, and the thing's on fire. But, but people are living like exhibitionists. It's unbelievable. So, the, you know, Facebook has given people an opportunity to show what's in them. And it is self-centeredness. People are just absolutely gaga over themselves. They're crazy. They can't shut up about themselves. It's just constant talking about me and what I did and what I think and how I feel and our people and all of this stuff, my past, my present, my future. Um, and they are, they are the population that populates Facebook. Now Facebook has kind of become facelift book. You know, kids aren't there anymore. It's all the old people trying to reconnect with their high school um, but again, it's a stage for self. And so Jesus said, if any man comes after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Why? Because the more you focus on yourself, the less you focus on Jesus. And you need to stop talking about yourself and start talking about Jesus. I know that's a uh, Pretty simple, but there's a great revelation there. Talk less about you. Talk more about Jesus. Yeah, but I'm what I really know about. I don't really know a lot. I don't know enough about Jesus to talk about him. See, that's the problem. That's why Christians aren't having the impact today, is they know all about themselves, but they don't know about Jesus. People talk about what they love. They talk about what they're into. And so... We need to stop concentrating on ourselves. What I feel, what I think, what makes me mad, blah, 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 blah. Um, and we need to focus ourselves on what God is doing, on what Jesus has said, what he's doing, what he is in our life. And you think, oh, you know, I'd love to do that, but I don't know any of that stuff. That's because you spend too much time with yourself. Start diverting your attention from how you feel or how frustrated you are, how happy you are, what you've got, and start learning about Jesus. And we're going to give you a couple of practical points on how to do that. But meet the Lord, 
get to know Jesus, truly get to know Him, be willing enough to get to know Him that you're going to let Him take you to school, let Him teach you, let Him show you what is significant and important in life. Um, focus on being a blessing more than on getting blessings, and you'll be blessed. That's how to be blessed, is when you focus on being a blessing rather than getting blessings. In 2 Corinthians 4, the Apostle Paul wrote, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comprehension and comparison. While we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, and the Amplified Bible says uh, they are full of death. They're decaying. But the things that are not seen are eternal or deathless. The Word of God, the resurrected Jesus Christ. Christ in you is the hope of glory. The only thing that I need to know about me is Christ in me. And so the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians that even though we go through things in life, we do so triumphantly while we're keeping our eyes on Jesus, focused on Him. The more you're focused on yourself, what happens? The same thing that happened to Peter. What happened to Peter? He's walking along on the water to Jesus, a miracle, and it's awesome until what happens? He starts, we like to say focused on the wind or focused on the waves, but what he was doing, he was focusing on himself. He began to worry about himself. Well, what, look at I'm walking on water and the wind's blowing and what's going to happen to me? But as long as he was looking at Jesus, he didn't sink. He was a walking miracle. So what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians is he's talking about looking away from self in order to look to Jesus. Now here's a conflict. You cannot see Jesus if you're looking at yourself. In fact, you don't even really see yourself until you really start looking at Jesus because he's the only one who can really show you who you really are. You know, there's people 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. They still don't know who they are. They still have an image of themselves that other people wish they could sit down and talk with them and say, let me tell you what we're seeing out here. Have you ever thought to yourself, I, I'd love to get some really close friends that I could trust and say, talk to me. What am I like? How do I come across? Scary thought. We might not want people to tell us how we present ourselves or how we come across. We have an image of what we're like. And oftentimes we go decades through our life and we never challenge that image. We just stay focused on ourselves. The only place that you can find a friend who can really safely, lovingly, but firmly and truthfully talk to you about you is Jesus. Because he loves you, and he will always draw the best out in your life. He made you in his image and likeness. And he is the one who will transform your life as you look to him. But the more you keep thinking about yourself, talking about yourself, we don't want to hear about you anymore. We're tired of hearing about you. I hope you're tired of hearing about me. Hearing about you, learning all about you, what you think, what your opinions are, uh, you know, how your kids made the best grades in school and how your grandparents came over on such and such a boat or whatever the, whatever the things are or how your kids are going to college and you're achieving this. Save it for your family. And I'm not saying that we don't want to share testimonies or with one another, but unfortunately our testimonies end up being about us. We just use Jesus as a platform to talk about ourselves some more. Anyone listening to me this morning? Um, the fact of the matter is that the more we talk about Jesus, the more we become like him. 
because the Holy Spirit supernaturally works within us. That's what Paul is saying, is that while we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen, God is working in us a greater weight of glory. In the very next, uh, or in the chapter just before that, in uh, 2 Corinthians 13, Paul says, all of us with our face unveiled, because we continue to behold in the word of God, like a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we're constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another. Wouldn't it be great as the years pass by to have people tell you, you know, you are just rising with every passing year from one degree of splendor to the next. Wouldn't it be great to hear that? Instead, oftentimes it's, well, the years go by, but nothing changes. She's still the same. He's still stuck in that rut. I mean, it's just the same old thing all the time. You know, they say you stop growing at around, what, 21, 25? People stop developing. Um, maybe those numbers shift a little bit. But I think there's a lot of truth to that. I, I think uh, people's personal and character development kind of hits a plateau. And they shut down. I'm through with school. And they close down the learning. And they stop looking outside of themselves. People are basically not open. They're not open to God. They let God in their life as a concept or a thought or a religion. But God really isn't God as a concept, a thought, or a religion. You can't really possess him. You can't have him as a concept, a thought. If you all you have is beliefs, you don't have God. You see, you don't have him until he has you until he has your attention, until you are looking to him as Lord of your life, until you look to him placing your dependence upon him, opening your heart, allowing him to come in and be who he is, until he's able to be Lord of your life, you really don't have him. And that's why Jesus sent people like John the Baptist, Peter, and all these guys went out preaching the gospel and said, repent or turn or change your mind or open your life and receive the gospel. The gospel is Matthew 16, 24. If anyone follows me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. What is the cross? It's the place where you stop talking about you. It's life stops being about you and all of your idiosyncrasies. We really do put up with each other, don't we? We think we're so cute and everybody, we just, I know, I know I've got everybody snowed. I, I'm snowed. I think you all think I'm just, um, you know, oh, he's clever. He's a, but the fact is you just put up with me. We wear on one another after a while because what people need to see is they need to see Jesus. They need, to, they need to stop seeing the goofy parts of you that never change. They never get any better. They never go to Calvary. There's no resurrection going on in your life. It's just the same old you that just talks Jesus all the time. This is tough, I know. <laughs> oh, you. At any rate, focus on self is death. Focus on Jesus is life. Focus on Jesus is life. Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite verses. It's kind of the, um, it's sort of the mathematic equation of the Bible. All consolidated in this one short verse. I'm going to give it to you. Paul writes, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That is the entire Bible in one little mathematical equation. The law of the spirit of life in Christ is speaking of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He came sinless, perfect into the world. He became as, as Abraham and Moses and uh, the Jews of the Old Testament offering those lambs that were 
um, that were symbolic sacrifices, all pointed to the Messiah who would one day come, who would be a man, who would be God tabernacling in flesh, God having made himself a man, and be offered up sinless for the sins of mankind. And because he was a man, he becomes our brother. He, be, he becomes one of us and represents us. And so humanity, for all that receive him, are cleared at the divine bench of justice through the blood of Jesus Christ. The spirit of life in Christ, or the law of the spirit of life in Christ, is Jesus did it. Jesus rose from the dead. The Holy Spirit is the spirit behind that law. And so the spirit of life in Christ is the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is how things go in the world. Everything about the world, all the laws of nature, all the laws of society, all the principles of the world are summed up in the law of sin and death. We take off, we stumble, we sin, we die. That is the world. So the laws of the world, when you study the world, you're studying the laws of sin and death. When you learn the world, when you live focused on self, you are focused on the law of sin and death. And that is why when we are constantly talking about ourselves, faith cannot grow in our life. And death keeps following us. We don't overcome anything. More you talk about you, the less you're going to overcome. More you talk about Jesus, the more you're going to overcome. Because the law of the spirit of life will make you free from the law of sin and death. Did you notice that he says that it's not you or I that bring forth transformation. It's what law or what principle we are resting our life upon. So if you lay your life on the principle of the law of life, if you live by the law of the spirit of life in Christ, he's who you talk about. Because he's who you think about. The minute something happens, you think Jesus. The minute a challenge rises up, you think, what is the law of the spirit of life in Christ with relation to this? But if when something jumps up and challenges you, the first impulse, which is how this makes me feel, how this makes me look, uh, what I think about this, if you go with that first natural impulse and you hang on to it, you're not going to see any resurrection. In fact, the cycle of sin and death is just simply going to continue. And so Christians should never give themselves permission to just keep being carnal. You need to take yourself off of that permission. Stop giving yourself permission to just be naturally minded. Take yourself back to school. And make yourself a pupil in life again and say, I am going to learn. You know what? That's what the word disciple means, a disciplined pupil. And whether you're 16 years old or 96 years old, we ought to be disciples. We ought to be constantly taking up our cross and learning and checking ourselves. When things come up in life, it's natural to think about yourself. But the minute you think about yourself, immediately go to Jesus. It's Christ in you that's the hope of glory. Not you in Christ, but Christ in you. It's not the fact that, oh, I'm in Christ, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I, I have a Bible, I believe the Word of God. It's not you in Christ, it's Jesus in you that is the hope of glory. I know I, uh, this may seem challenging to some of you, but I'm going to say it anyway. You in Christ is not going to cause any overcoming in your life. You in Christ basically is uh, simply, as I said, your routine or your lifestyle uh, as a Christian. And there's no overcoming power that's going to manifest in that. that that's why 
oftentimes Christians who are basically religious just don't manifest any power. You don't see signs, wonders, miracles. You don't see transformation going on in their life. They're locked into themselves. But the, the, true, the true key to the supernatural power of God is when you focus on Christ in you. In other words, when things come at you in life, the first thing you think about is you immediately go to Jesus in me. What does the Jesus in me say about this? What does the Jesus in me think about this? What does Christ in me want to do about this situation? Too much focus on self locks your mind down into the law of sin and death. It kills faith because there's no faith in the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is the laws of the world. You're never going to find faith in God out in the world. It doesn't exist. The world lies in the lap of the wicked one, has rejected God, and that's why God had to send his son. But, you know, constant focus on Jesus and his word will familiarize you with the law of the spirit of life in Christ. Constant focus upon yourself and the law of the spirit of life in Christ will, um, you'll, be, uh, you'll become unfamiliar with it. It'll become strange to you. It'll become irrelevant. Um, have you ever been in that situation where as a Christian you, you, um, you know that you need to take some sort of a stand or pray or respond to a situation and you can't think of a scripture to stand on? You can't think of what's the principle in God's word that I ought to be acting on? You, you are looking but you can't find a foundation for your faith. And just this general sort of I'm a Christian doesn't get it. You know, you, you can't rebuke the devil and say, well, I'm a Christian, and have him pay any attention to you. He's not going to pay a bit of attention to you. Even Jesus himself, when he was uh, being tested of the devil, he didn't rip his, his toga open and reveal his T-shirt, super Jesus. Do you know who I am? I'm super Jesus. You can't mess with me. But when Jesus dealt with the devil coming after him, he said, it is written. It is written. It is written. He used the word of God. He relied upon the word of God. Well, you can't use it if you don't know it. And he didn't tow the Bible out there into the desert with him. He was out there by himself. So how did he know to say to the devil in each of those final three trials the exact right scripture to be able to come back at him with so that the scripture says that he not only fended off those attacks but the enemy left him? Was well, he had spent time focusing on the Word of God and learning it. So constant focus on Jesus, on His Word, makes you familiar with the law of the Spirit of life in Christ. So that when, when circumstances jump up in life, the law of sin and death will seem odd and strange and weird to you. But the first natural impulse will be, we're going we're gonna to break the power of that trial. We are going to defeat that enemy. We are going to see this situation healed or delivered. It's one thing to say those things. It's another thing to know what you base it on. If you can't produce a scripture, if you don't understand why you believe what you, if you can't make a case for it, do you have a case? No, you don't have a case. If you can't come up with it, you don't have it. So you have to build a life in the Word of God. Can you say amen? You know, how many of you remember the story of David and Goliath, at least in general? Uh, pretty much everybody's familiar with it. Um, do you remember the part where David um, goes to the battlefield, and there's King Saul and all of his men, and they're all hunkered down in foxholes, and David's saying, what's going on here? Why are you guys all hunkered down in foxholes? There's the Philistine army on the opposite ridge across that valley, and they're beating their uh, shields with their swords and calling you names and cussing you out. And uh, they said, well, just give it a few minutes. You'll find out why we're in these foxholes. And uh, all of a sudden, here comes Goliath, big 10-foot, 10-foot giant. And he stands out there, and every day he was, he was coming out, and he was calling he was saying, I'll tell you what, if you don't, don't want to fight this war, send one man to fight me. And if you win, you can, you'll defeat us, we'll leave. If I win, however, 
So it comes down to that personal one-on-one -on -one conflict. And every day he would come out and King Saul, who was a head taller than everyone else in Israel, so he was tall, but he was a pipsqueak compared to Goliath. They were all in their foxholes shaking and afraid. So here comes David, the kid, and when he sees Goliath, he's, he's furious. He said, what is wrong with you? He sees the king of Israel. He sees his brothers. He sees all the soldiers. They've got their armor and everything, but they're down in these holes in the ground, and they're shaking and they're afraid. And David said, I'll fight him. I'll be the guy that fights him because it's not going to be me. God's going to fight. He's taunting God. He's cursing God. We just need somebody to go represent God. God will fight this battle. He said, I'll go out and take care of this guy. And uh, finally, King Saul takes him seriously. And you remember the part where Saul tries to give him his armor? You know, his breastplate, his armor, his, his leg, uh, you know, protection and shield and helmet. And you could just see little David with all this big armor hanging off of him. So they put all the armor on him and everything. And David's standing there and David says, take this stuff off me. He said, I, this is going to get me killed. He said, I can't use this stuff. He said, I haven't proven it. I'm not familiar with this. I haven't worked with this. This is not the right fit for me. So, but what are you going to use? Well, I'm going to use what I use all the time. I'm going to use what I am familiar with, a sling and some smooth stones. I'm really good at it because I use those all the time. Well, if you remember that story that he rejected the armor of Saul because he was, because he was unfamiliar with it. But he chose to use the armor of God. He said, I don't need armor. I'll just go out there with, with me and what I have, my faith in God. And he said to Goliath, he said, I'm going to defeat you with God. That's what I'm going to use against you. I'm going to use the great Jehovah. And I'm going to take you down with God. And David was familiar with what he was talking about. He wasn't just talking. He had spent his entire life fellowshipping with God out there in those hills and writing songs and singing praises to God. And he developed a relationship with God. So when he saw this giant rise up and oppose God, he, that weapon in him rose up in response. He was familiar with it, but he couldn't fight with, <clears throat> I'm going to call it the armor of self. All that armor that Saul had was all meant to protect self. It was all the armor of self-focus and self-concentration. And David said, if I try this, I'm going to be a dead man. So when the giants of life, sickness, addiction, infidelity, poverty, depression, anger, when these giants of life come threatening you, many Christians are paralyzed in the foxhole with King Saul. They, they don't know what to do. They can't stand up to these things. Like I said, infidelity, poverty, addiction, you pick it, whatever it is. They're intimidated by these things. Usually the word they use is miracle. We need a miracle, which is kind of a way of saying, this isn't going to happen. And... You can imagine them on the uh, deck of the Titanic going down. Well, only a miracle could save us now, which is a way of saying we're all going to die because nobody's expecting a miracle. Nobody is versed in miracles. Nobody has a connection with miracles. Why? Because they've spent their lives connecting with themselves. They only know what they feel. I'm terrified the ship is going down. I don't like cold water. They're, everything is about my perception and how I feel. You need somebody out there like David who's, who's in con contact with God. Who's in contact with God? Definitely not the person that's always yakking about themselves. We need people that talk about Jesus all the time. You want to know why? Because they think about him all the time. He's rolling around on the inside. He is sitting on the throne of their heart. 
Those paralyzed Christians are in the foxhole with Saul because they're trained on the armor of Saul, which is incapable of defeating Goliath. And when you're so trained on the armor of Saul, the armor of God's going to seem foreign to you. Just like the armor of Saul, the armor of self, seemed foreign to David, but the armor of God was very natural to him. Listen, the reason it's hard to focus when you're praying for a miracle is because we spend too much time with the problem and not enough time with the answer. I, I, I say this with a certain amount of personal conviction. Now, I used to, when I was younger, notice we'd go out to restaurants. I could, you could always tell that tipping point when people had hit a certain age because the conversation was always about my arthritis, my latest operation, my headaches, this terrible gas. It's just one thing after another. And once you've exhausted one condition, you're off to the next. It's like there's nothing else really to talk about. And I used to notice that, uh, I used to think, good God, uh, it was like falling into a pit when I thought about getting older. It was like falling into a hole. I, I was just, I don't want to go down that rat hole. I don't want to become that person. But like I said, I say with a certain amount of, uh, um, certain amount of conviction, I find myself doing the same thing. Because you're sitting there and your leg, you know, the sciatica's uh, killing you. So it's on your mind. You're thinking about it. But let me tell you, Satan uses the camouflage of our natural circumstances to get us to think about self. No wonder then when people come, how you doing? Oh, well, do you have a few minutes? What's happening in your life? Oh, well, let me, you know, and then you're, you're off bragging about yourself or bragging about something else. Or It's so rare to run into somebody, catch them off guard, and have them talk about Jesus, talk about the things of God, or share something wonderful that's beyond themselves, that's not about them. But too many Christians are incapable of talking about things besides themselves because they don't think outside themselves. Everything they know about involves them. And that's not all bad. It, there's a lot of just naturalness in that. But if Jesus is Lord in the middle of your life, surely you could develop a relationship with him so that he becomes the prominent thing in your life and you start seeing everything through the lens of your fellowship with Jesus. You know, God says in uh, 1 Timothy, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. But instead of fighting the good fight of faith, a lot of Christians are just living under siege. They're existing under siege. Instead of living out on the open field of harvest, fighting the good fight of faith, they're starving within the walls of self. And many believers are too weak to focus on the fight of faith because they're malnourished. They're feeding off of themselves. And the more you think about yourself, the more you starve yourself. The more you focus on Jesus, the more built up and fed you become. You can't feed off of yourself and then just pop a Word of God vitamin every now and then and expect to be healthy. The Jesus is not a food supplement, and the, his word is not a supplement. You have to feed your life off of him. Make him the thing that you learn and that you walk in on a daily basis. I already shared that verse. Jesus said, if you want to come after me, if you want to follow me, deny yourself. Why? Because he's cruel? Because he doesn't want you to ever think about yourself? People that deny themselves, they do think about themselves, but they think about themselves in Christ. They always allow the Lord to convict them and improve them and draw them up. And that way, when they're with other people, they're not talking about me and, and mine and, and what I'm all about. They talk about what God's doing.
All right, so let me just share with you in closing a couple of remedies. How do we remedy restoring focus on Jesus? Because a lot of Christians think they're focused on Jesus. They're really focused on themselves. So how do we turn that around? How do you remedy that? How do you, how do you, our opening verse, looking away from all the distracts to Jesus so that he becomes the author and developer of your faith? Number one, build yourself a kitchen and a dining room. If your life is a house, you need to reopen the kitchen. And you need to establish an address that the Holy Ghost can deliver some groceries to. You need the Holy Ghost to deliver some groceries to you. He's got nowhere to deliver them. How is God going to talk to you? How's God going to show anything to you? How is the Lord going to reveal anything to you when he doesn't have an address to deliver them to? What I'm talking about is, when do you and the Holy Ghost get together? Where's he going to meet you? Set up a time every day and then throughout the day, keep that kitchen open so the Holy Ghost can deliver some food to you. If there's no address, Holy Spirit's not going to deliver anything. Number one, if you want to focus on the Lord, you need to let the Lord let the Holy Spirit start delivering revelation into your life. And so, start by reading your Bible. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can read. Get one you can read. And uh, start reading. Uh, begin in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Then add Psalms and Proverbs. That's a great balance. One of the Gospels, chapter in the Gospels. Then one of the Psalms or a chapter in, in Proverbs. And then pick an epistle, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Colossians, Ephesians. Go through those epistles and just grab a chapter out of each of those. Believe me, you, that's working out, spiritually working out. Find a time where you could start getting into the Word of God. Get the Word of God delivered to you. If you don't do that, Holy Ghost got nowhere to deliver the groceries to. There's no revelation coming. There's no power coming. There's no delivery. And you're going to be like one of those Christians in the foxhole with soul, malnourished. You see, the problem is we're not being defeated in the fight of faith. We're being starved in the siege. We're not even fighting. We're simply under siege. And there's a big difference. When you're under siege, you're not fighting. Fighting is when you're out of the castle, out in the open field, and you're fighting. That's a fight. You're on your feet. You're out in the open. Christians aren't fighting today. Christians today are walled in self, and they're being starved to death. So build a kitchen and a dining room and let the Holy Ghost start delivering to you. Um, and besides those Bible chapters and verses and start feeding yourself, get some devotionals. There's great devotionals out there. Pick up some devotionals that build up fellowship with Jesus. Specifically find devotionals that are really good at building your relationship with Jesus and making it strong. I personally like devotionals that convict the daylights out of you because they're the ones that are going to clear the debris away and help you see where the Lord really is in your life. You can handle it. Believe me, you'll be much happier. The more you can get you cleared away, the more you can get you under conviction, the happier you're going to be because Jesus is going to rise up in your life. And then besides devotionals, go keep a steady supply of reading going on in your life. I've got, I think I'm, I usually read three or four books at any one given time just to keep myself, keep my mind going. And, you know, whatever you think on, that's where you're headed. That's what you're going to become. So... Um, you know, I used to, I remember years ago, there was a guy who used to say, you're not going to beat the devil with gun smoke. You know, you spend all your time sitting watching gun smoke. Of course, you can tell how many years ago that must have been. But you're not going to defeat the devil with gun smoke. You need to spend time in the Word. So get books that reveal Jesus. Good, solid books um, that, that really build faith and build spiritual life in you. Amen? So... Get that kitchen, reopen that kitchen, and, and build that dining room, and regularly sit yourself down in the presence of God and let the Lord build you up 
And then, for God's sake and for all of the rest of our sake, when you do that, please let him deal with you. Now, some people let him deal with them. They're tender-hearted and they're, they, tend, they lean towards being self-condemning all the time. So you can, you can just ignore what I'm about to say. But there's some of the rest of us that we really are the, and I include myself in this, stronger personality. You think you're all that and it's sack of chips. Um, you think everybody wants to know your opinion. You think that your view of everything is, is what everybody ought to hear. That's me. I put myself, that's my personality type. Um, so I really need to keep the door open for God to kick my butt on a regular basis and deal with me about me and, and bring some conviction into our life. So in all of that Bible reading and study, let God convict you. Let him cut away. Let him circumcise your heart. Let him, let him deal with you and you'll become less loud and um, less talking about yourself and you'll be more of a reflection of Jesus. So that was the first and the second and final suggestion besides build the kitchen and the dining room, start cooking. Stop eating drive through You know what drive through is? This is drive through it's, it's good to get takeout, but start eating. You have that kitchen, the Holy Ghost delivers food. Stop living off of takeout. Too many Christians live off of a poem, a song, and a meme on Facebook. You're not going to get there. That's not going to deal with it. You can't take somebody else's book, and I've just, you know, I've just endorsed reading books that build, build up Christ, but it's still your life, your walk that needs to be built up. You can't read somebody else's book about what they did, get all excited about it, it's not going to do you any good unless you do what they did, unless you apply it to your life and you let the Lord deal with you and it becomes real in your life. So close your Bible, stand with me.